Thursday, Friday Eve, getting you ready for the weekend as always. It is Throwback Thursday, taking you back to the 90s with some R&B. It is Women's History Month, so all month I'm going to do my very best to play songs by a woman only. Or a collab. Or I should say some collabs with women. days off to a good start depending on where you are in the world i hope your day is going well so far i know for some of you it's that unwind time Turn in. Oh, what a day! What a day! What a day! The man that knows 
to everyone logged on and listening wherever you are in the world thank you so much for tuning in to the quality music zone qmzradio.com and johnoradio.com of course i gotta say good morning and thank you to everyone right here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens i'm moments with me and you're listening to coffee into world news on the go we do this every monday through friday 9 a.m to 1 p.m eastern this is where i read the news and we share our views Remember to follow me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on TikTok moments with me media and the mean everything is M I coming right <laughs> coming up right after this one from Escape just kicking it we're gonna have the headlines that we got in store for you today keep it locked. Every man wants a woman that can cook him up a good meal. A woman you can treat like his own man. Take her out on the app and just chill. And every man wants a woman that ain't good for just laying on her back. Thank you. 
And it's time for us to go ahead and get started. have coming up for you today out of the caribbean corner china ready to help caribbean with transition to solar energy ali says women will play an integral role in guyana's digital economy the first to do it five women from saint kitts and nevis you should know trinidad and tobago's foreign affairs minister meets with blinken u.s secretary of state haitian babysitter jailed in the turks and caicos out of Jamaica, UWI offers counseling after student dies on dorm at Mona. And new pay scales starting at $210,000 proposed to teachers. We're going to have those stories and more out of the Caribbean corner. Out of Latin America, an attempted airport heist of $32 million in Chile leaves two people dead. The youth found in the abandoned truck trailer have been returned to Guatemala. On the international scene, police try to stop International Women's Day protests in Pakistan, but the protesters persist. Russian missiles target cities across Ukraine, officials say. In stores out of North America, three injured in fiery train derailment caused by rock slide. Three L.A. police officers have been shot and the conditions are unknown. Congress overturns D.C. crime bill with President Biden's help. A judge blocks the release of additional footage of the beating death of Tyree Nichols. Nikki Haley calls for changing retirement age. U.S. black couple settles lawsuit over whitewashed home valuation and the six-year-old who shot the teacher will not be charged in business and tech news states raking billions from taxes on weed sales and here's where the money goes u.s safety regulators to investigate tesla again for steering wheels that can fall off you know what at this point i don't even know in health and science news more than 170 trillion plastic particles found in the ocean as pollution reaches unprecedented levels folks put the garbage in its respective place please these six tips can help you skip the daylight saving time hangover. And the four kidnapped Americans are part of a large wave of U.S. medical tourism in Mexico. Yes, folks, medical tourism is real. One cup of coffee, in lifestyle be careful when you're flying <laughs> i'm gonna give you more information there <laughs> oh boy and in believe it or not stories a woman has allegedly stabbed three children to death and now her twin sister has been charged 
with a similar crime. Isn't that interesting? All right, we're going to have the details of those stories and more coming up right after a little more music. Here is Whitney Houston. My love is your love. If tomorrow is judgment day And I'm standing on the front line And the Lord asked me what I did with my life I will say I spent it with you If I wake up in World War III, I see destruction and poverty, and I feel like I want to go home, it's okay if you're coming with me. Staring at 
broke yesterday But too many storms have come and gone Leaving a trace of not one God given praise it because my life is ten shades of gray I pray all ten fade away Sell the praise for the seven days And like his promise is true Only my faith can undo The many chances I blew to bring my life to an end Clear blue and Hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday, taking you back to the 90s R&B songs by women only today. We're going to try to do that throughout the month of March as we celebrate Women's History Month. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you are in the world. I appreciate you logging on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and JohnnoRadio.com. Thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. It is Friday Eve, getting you ready to ease you into the weekend. Or I should say, I am helping to get you ready to ease into the weekend. Gotta rephrase it, right? Hope your day's off to a good start. Looking forward to the great conversation as always. You know, as I'm listening to this song, just one of them days that a girl goes through, Monica. Um, I was, I'm thinking about the room, a Zoom that I was on last night, thanks to Javette for the invite, of course. It's amazing how everything affects our body, our minds, our hearts, and our souls. Everything. Every single thing. A lot of it we don't pay attention to. But the beauty about it is that there are interventions, natural ways to intervene so that your mental well-being is, and your physical is not greatly affected. Yeah. All right, going to just do this one more. If you're feeling unpretty, snap out of it. You are beautiful. You're wonderfully made, perfectly made. Do not allow anyone to make you feel less than who and what you are. Look into the mirror who's inside there, the one with the long hair. Same old me again today.
So many times we're looking for validation from others. We're looking for other people to tell us that it's okay, that we're okay. But have you done that for yourself? Have you validated you? Maybe get rid of you and then I'll get back to me. Every time I think so what if you don't have that flat stomach, that six-pack? So what if you don't have that curvaceous shape? So what if you don't have that long hair, straight nose? So what? Stop putting pressure on yourselves and stop allowing others to put pressure on you. Time for us to go ahead and get this starty parted. And we're starting off in the Caribbean corner. This one is out of the CARICOM. According to Caribbean.loopnews.com, China is ready to help the Caribbean 
with transition to solar solar energy. Chinese deputy officials uh, said China is willing and ready to assist Caribbean regions with the transition to renewable energy, particularly solar. Uh, through collaboration and technological assistance. Speaking with Loop News for the first session of the 14th National People's Congress, NPC, uh, the officials said because of the Caribbean's sunny location, solar is a good choice for alternative energy. They also went on to say, from the technical perspective, it is possible to reduce the cost for solar energy. However, in the Caribbean region, photovoltaic, and I hope I'm saying it right, PV systems are still being introduced. Another issue would be shipping, which contributes to higher costs. He said, however, if there is enough demand, this could help make solar more affordable. He added there are no limitations with regard to the sharing of Chinese technology and skills in assisting the Caribbean region in the tra- excuse me, transition to solar energy. Um, I don't see why it should be expensive. Solar is nothing new to the Caribbean. Some people do have it. Um, there are companies, for example, in Jamaica that already set up solar technology for, or yeah, solar panels, <clears throat> excuse me, at their homes. And I, I would implore many people to make the shift. Yes, it, yes, it may be a little costly up front, um, but it pays for itself over a short period of time. Um, do the research, uh, ask around, consult with others and see how they feel about it and if it's good for you. Also, there's wind. Um, you know, we have to get off this dependability on what government or private systems provide for us and look at the cost factor as well um but yeah he's absolutely right and i I, i'm not understanding why it should take a chinese or chinese officials to position that to us are we that asleep we're not aware of what we have and i i only hope i only hope that this will not be further investment via loans. <laughs> and I think y'all know where I'm going with that, right? They already have our roads and our ports. We don't need them owning more stuff on us, all right? So learn as much as you can. Absorb the information and, uh, you know, set up shops if necessary. But, yeah, I would recommend people... If you, you have your house stops, you can put your panels on there. You have space. Um, if you have acres, I would advise you. And if some of it not being used, you know, designate a portion of it to be used to set up solar panels. You only stand to benefit. All right. Okay, next up. Uh, Ali says women will play an integral role in Guyana's digital economy. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. President Dr. Muhammad Irfan Ali has committed to having women play an essential part in Guyana's digital development. Ali gave the commitment in his International Women's Day message yesterday. And of course, 
it is or it was being observed under the theme digital innovation and technology for gender equality our women can be assured that they will be an integral part of this emerging sector we will be mainstreaming science technology engineering and mathematics stem education within our secondary schools and tertiary educational institutions and in doing so encourage greater female participation particularly in the technology and engineering streams the guyana online academy of learning goal has unlocked greater opportunities including for women to improve their knowledge and skills pre prerequisites for enhancing female participation in the digital sector he says he is confident that the initiatives that are being taken will ensure a prominent role for women in the digital sectors. Ali added that having women involved in Ghana's development is a key priority for his government. Uh, the first to do it, five women from St. Kitts, you should know. Story courtesy of CaribbeanLoopNews.com. Women on St. Kitts and Nevis have made many important strides over the last few decades as the world moves to become an equal space for all. From the field of medicine to politics and the arts, women on St. Kitts and Nevis have been making their mark and paving the way for taboos of females in these spaces to be a thing of the past. In celebration of International Women's Day and Women's History Month, we've compiled a list of five female trailblazers from St. Kitts and Nevis that you should know. I'm going to go ahead and put the link on uh, the top of the page for my friends on um, Clubhouse. Bear with me one moment. Gimsy Radio and Jano Radio. Because when we have this type of information, it's so important to be able to share it with our children and young people that we interact with. Right? So we can, sh and because it's Women's History Month, we want to show our young ladies in particular. And hey, you can be what you want to be. All right, so first up, Dr. Jean Lenore Harney. Dr. Jean is a woman of many firsts in the then colony of St. Christopher's, Nevis, and Anguilla. In 1942, she was the first female student from St. Kitts to win the Leeward Islands Scholarship. She used her scholarship to study medicine at Liverpool University in the United Kingdom. And upon completion of her program, she became the first female doctor from St. Kitts, Nevis, and Anguilla. Let's fast forward to the 1960s. Harney earned her private pilot license to become the first female aviator from St. Kitts, Nevis, and Anguilla. Harney was passionate about her community, having served at the Cunningham Hospital for several years. After leaving the hospital, she served as a public health professional at the Pan American Health Organization, World Health Organization across the Caribbean and Central America. All right, uh, so let's celebrate her, of course. Next up, Marcella LeBird. When you research politics in St. Kitts and Nevis, the name Marcella LeBird will be listed as a trailblazer for gender equality in the island's male-dominated political landscape. LeBird, who was a or who is a trained teacher, barrister, and solicitor, 
became the first woman to serve as the Governor General of St. Kitts and Nevis when she replaced Tapley Seaton on February 1, 2023. Her appointment as Governor General tops off a political career that saw her become the first female Speaker of the National Assembly and the first woman elected as Chair of the St. Kitts and Nevis Labour Party in its 81-year history. Next up, Inez Barker. Inez Barker is the first female photographer and studio owner on St. Kitts and Nevis. She was trained by her husband, George Barker, who was an accomplished cyclist and photo enthusiast from Guyana. Using the skills learned from George and her calm, easygoing disposition, Barker helped raise the profile of photography in St. Kitts through her splendid work and ability to make her subjects look and feel their best. Barker's photographic work was not limited to the studio as she captured images of cricket and football matches on St. Kitts as well as the island's colorful sugar mass festivities. Bronte Agatha Welsh. The field of nursing is one that has great respect in the Caribbean and one woman that has been at the forefront of this noble profession on St. Kitts and Nevis is Bronte Agatha Welsh. Welsh started her career in the medical field at the age of 19 as a nurse. She joined the staff of the Cunningham Hospital where for three years she worked as a general nurse until she obtained her certificate in general nursing and midwifery and attained the rank of staff nurse. Welsh then entered into the preventative nursing field where she became the first public health nurse to be recognized in St. Kitts and later the first local to be superintendent of public health nursing. Welsh's work in the community saw her be part of a team that effectively vaccinated over 14,000 people on St. Kitts, Nevis and Anguilla against tuberculosis. In her later life, Welsh, who became wheelchair-bound in 1971 after a back injury, was an avid spokesperson for St. Kitts and Nevis's disabled community. She wrote a booklet entitled Nursing, A Calling or a Career, and the proceeds from the publication assisted the Society for the Handicapped to purchase a van for transporting the physically challenged. And last but certainly not least, Ada Mae Andrews. Another pioneering woman in politics on St. Kitts and Nevis is Ada Mae Andrews. Born on the island of Antigua, Andrews was trained as a teacher and rose through the ranks of the service in her homeland and St. Kitts and Nevis. Following her retirement from the civil service, Edwards entered the trade union movement and became the acting editor of the Labour Spokesman, which was a publication of the St. Kitts Trades and Labour Union. In 1978, following the sudden death of Speaker Glassford, she was elected by members of Parliament to be the first female Speaker of the House of Assembly. Thank you so much to the National Archives of St. Kitts and Nevis for providing this information. It is so good when we are able to learn about others in the region and the history. Good morning. Good morning, Sonette. Good morning. Good morning. That was great. Thank you. You are welcome. Definitely welcome. Anytime, anytime. All right. Next up. Oh, go ahead, James. Go right ahead. 
Yeah, morning, morning, everyone. Yeah, I, I think we, sh we should acknowledge that, you know, like in the, the Caribbean, um, our leaders in terms of um, women um, rising to the top, like in education, in, in, in businesses, you know, like as far as 30 years ago when women across the world struggling to, to gain certain um, independence and rights, like Jamaica and Trinidad and a lot of the other islands have been, you know, doing this for as far as 30, 40 years ago. So I think, you know, we need to acknowledge that. But the unfortunate thing is, is that, you know, where improvement is needed is, is like in terms of violence against women. Um, the Caribbean is, is on like in the top 10 in terms of like, you know, violence against women. So that needs to be fixed. In, and in terms of like teenage pregnancy, I know like the last um, report I saw, I think Jamaica, um, St. Vincent was like alarming numbers, you know. So, we, you know, while we acknowledge like the, the, the good things, you know, we need to work on those two areas in terms of violence against women and making sure that we keep these predators away from our, our young girls. And then, you know, like those two areas, once those get fixed, then we're, we're good to go. Yes. Thank you, James. Thank you so much for your input. All right. Next up, we head on over to Trinidad and Tobago. TNT's Foreign Affairs Minister meets with Blinken, U.S. Secretary of State. TNT-LoopNews.com is reporting that Secretary of State Anthony J. Blinken has met with Trinidad and Tobago's Foreign Affairs Minister Amory Brown, emphasizing the importance of U.S., Trinidad and Tobago bilateral ties, including the significant role the Tri Trinibagonian diaspora plays in promoting cultural and economic links. Both also discussed the importance of their prospective places in support of democracy within the Western Hemisphere during these talks, which took place in Washington, D.C. on Monday. Blinken also expressed appreciation for the country's votes supporting Ukraine and the UN Charter of the United Nations. He noted that democracies need to stand together to counter those who seek to suppress freedom and abuse human rights. We're working together in so many ways every day in our own hemisphere, working to continue to strengthen democracy, to forge ahead on building even greater economic prosperity, working on challenges of regional security. Of course, we have deep connections between our people. He noted there are more than 10,000 Americans visiting Trinidad and Tobago every year for tourism and for business. Brown, who also welcomed the discussions, said working together further cements a well-established and productive, fruitful relationship between Trinidad and Tobago and the United States. Um, can I back up for a second? <laughs> I just want to go back um, to where we talk about uh, abuse of human rights, because I'm not sure if Anthony Blinken is aware, but coming up a little later on in news out of North America, we're going to be talking about the Louisville Metro Police Department and their use of excessive force and how they unlawfully discriminate against black people. And that's according to Department of Justice reports. So I'm not sure uh, if Blinken is aware of this. All right. Uh, if he's not, I would I would love someone to send that report to him. Yeah. Um, anyway, let me get back on track. 
Turks and Caicos is reporting that a Haitian babysitter has been jailed. Story courtesy of Brivin.lubnews.com. A 29-year-old Q-Town babysitter has been sentenced to one to serve one year in prison. She's a Haitian national and was sentenced on Monday, having pleaded guilty to one count of unlawful entry and two counts of child in need of care and protection. She was sentenced to serve four months on each count. The court heard that earlier this month she was employed as a babysitter for a four-year-old female child. The victim's mother, according to the evidence, observed that her daughter would seldom cry and cling to her when left in the care of the babysitter. The mother also observed her daughter appeared to be sickly and losing weight. CCTV footage installed within the home was reviewed by the mother who witnessed the babysitter abusing the child by striking and shaking her based on the footage. The mother immediately contacted the police and officers attached to the Safeguarding and Public Protection Unit commenced an investigation. The babysitter was subsequently charged, was arrested rather, and charged. (sighs) Can we stop doing this? Um, According to Grantley Williams, who is the Assistant Superintendent of Police for the Safeguarding and Public Protection Unit, Uh, It is unacceptable that someone was entrusted to provide care to an infant and resorted to using physical violence against a defenseless child. Physical violence against anyone is reprehensible, especially when the victim is a child. I would like to commend the mother for immediately contacting the police and reporting the crime perpetrated against the child. In the same breath, I am advising parents and other caregivers of children and other vulnerable persons to be very careful when employing unknown individuals to care for their loved ones. It might be appealing to hire an inexpensive, cheap helper who is undocumented and where the necessary background checks are not conducted. This can end up being very costly, as you can expose your child or other loved one to harm. By employing undocumented persons, additionally, you are also breaking employment and immigration laws. So be very careful with that. All right. Uh, Next up, we head on over to Jamaica. The University of the West Indies, Mona Campus, offers counseling after a student dies in a dorm. Story courtesy of Barbados.loopnews.com. The University of the West Indies, UE Mona, says it has deployed counselors to support students following the death of one of their hallmates in the Elsa Leo Riney Hall of Residence on Wednesday. In a brief statement, the UE advised the public of the sudden passing of a male student in the dorm. We're deeply saddened by this news and extend our condolences to the family, friends, and hallmates of the deceased student. It also said that upon being notified, all protocols were activated. The parents of the deceased and the police were contacted and the body of the student has been removed. It added that the counselors as well as the members of the chaplaincy unit have been deployed to engage students in the hall of residence who need support during this difficult time. A similar session is being organized within the Faculty of Humanities and Education, the University of the West Indies said. 
In our next story, courtesy of NationwideRadioJM.com, it has been revealed new pay scales starting at $210,000 has been proposed to teachers. As teachers island-wide protest the deal presented to them by government under the compensation review exercise, Nationwide News has obtained a document purporting to show the new pay scale for educators. The document shows that the majority of teachers are set, excuse me, to receive a gross monthly salary of $210,000 based on the government's latest offer. But the opposition spokesman on education, Damien Crawford, says that figure is short of what he would like. He believes that a teacher should be collecting about $300,000 per month before tax. Here is Siobhan Campbell to tell us more. At the base of the scale, a pre-trained teacher with no certification will receive just over $1.2 million annually. This translates to $100,000 per month in gross salary. As part of the review, this base pay will go up in increments to $1.4 million as at April 1, 2024. For a graduate-trained teacher, the category where the majority of those in the teaching profession fall, gross pay after the restructuring starts at $2.5 million annually. This translates to gross take-home pay of $210,000 per month. By the third year of the planned restructuring, this will climb to just short of $3 million in yearly income. For a master teacher who would fall in the middle of the pay scale, their gross monthly take-home pay would be $291,000. That's $3.5 million annually. For a principal, gross pay in the first year of the restructuring is proposed at $5.3 million over 12 months. At the highest end of the scale, Class A to C, principals will receive a gross salary of $9.6 million annually. Meanwhile, across individual bands, teachers will receive incremental increases for their years of service. Therefore, a veteran-trained graduate teacher will take home a gross amount of $3.2 million per year or $266,000 monthly. This will increase to a gross amount of $3.7 million annually after April 1, 2024. Siobhan Campbell for Nationwide News. Offer graduate teachers more incentives, says Crawford, also courtesy of NationwideRadioJM.com. Opposition spokesman on education, Damien Crawford, says a trained graduate teacher should be offered a gross salary of just under $300,000 per month. Mr. Crawford says this sum will cover the basic needs of those professionals. As was seen by the persons who indicate their current spend, um, including a mortgage of 46000 they didn't have a car loan, including food of 50000 which is about $12,500 per week. Um, a person with two children can easily spend that per week. Um, that included uh, transportation, but not a car loan at that point. Th- those are reasonable numbers. We believe that at $291,000 per month starting point for the bond four, we propose is a reasonable starting point. Crawford was speaking at a virtual press briefing this morning. His proposal is over 60% higher than the current offer by the government. He says the effect of inflation and the elimination of certain benefits has substantially offset any gains from the government's offer. 
According to Mr. Crawford, there was no need for the finance minister to set a hard deadline of March 31 for teachers to sign off on a new wage deal. Indeed, the Minister of Finance and the government is quite aware that there are simple remedies to the situation which has been used for decades, including by this current minister. Firstly, the ministry and the minister should and could place funds currently available in escrow, which will which, which is facilitated by the law, which essentially states that all funds must be spent in the year budgeted, except as is provided by law, which an escrow should qualify. It would mean, therefore, that the funds currently held by the government could be placed from this budget 2022-2023 into escrow and have no impact on the budget 2023-2024. Tasha, I have to agree with you. Right now, he's making sense. Because, you know, I don't know why that didn't come to my mind when we were reading the story the other day, when they're forcing you to have to accept the deal by March 31st and then making it seem as though if you don't, it's a take it or leave it. Uh, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. So where's the money going to go? Because if that money is allocated, whether the, we accept the deal today, next month, six months down the road, the money should still be there. So yeah, um, I have to agree. I have to agree with you, Tasha. Makes a whole lot of sense. Right now, um, not Mr. Golding, but right now there are some others within the PNP that are making some valid points with various um, situations or stories that have come up. I have to be on board with them when we talk about um, sent in error, folks, sent in error. Yeah, I have to agree with them when they, they bring up certain things. For example, cannabis. For example, the importing of labor. You know, I always criticize the PNP for um, liking to find faults and not having solutions. But in these circumstances, they seem to be really thinking and providing and presenting um, viable solutions. I think someone else opened their mic. Please go right ahead. Or am I hearing doubles? Okay, I must be doubles. doubles. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. That doesn't make any sense for real though. Or am I missing something? If there is the, that there is some clause that if you don't use it, by a certain time, it gets reallocated to another department or just goes up in thin air. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, boy. More teachers are accepting the wage proposal amid the latest JTA um, rejection. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM. The island's teachers have dealt another blow to the wholeness um, administration's attempts to complete the ongoing compensation review exercise. The latest salvo came Wednesday afternoon at Michael University College in St. Andrew, where more than 300 delegates of the Jamaica Teachers Association, JTA, voted to reject the government's latest offer. 
More in this report from Ricardo Brooks. The finance and education ministers were paying careful attention to the vote of the teachers this afternoon. Nationwide sources say ministers Clark and Williams were hopeful the teachers would vote yes in the long-going reclassification process. But after five hours of deliberations, the teachers said no. The final vote was 346 to 227. Four ballots were rejected. This is much closer than the vote taken last month, where only 24 delegates voted to accept the government's offer. It appears the resolve inside the powerful teachers' lobby is waning. The vote followed a third consecutive day of disruptions across much of the education sector. Disruptions were recorded at Hampton School, Merlgrove High, St. Andrew High, Kingston Technical High, Wilmers Girls, Clarendon College, Brompton Primary, and Kensington Primary. Some schools closed their doors at midday, and parents were instructed to collect children left unsupervised. Earlier in the day, placard-bearing teachers protested outside the gates of Nigel Clark's finance ministry demanding a better offer. We're really protesting for higher salaries. We think it's grossly unfair what is happening as it relates to even the nurses and so on. And we really think that teachers are the cornerstone of everything. There was no teacher, there'd be no sister clerk, there'd be no nurses, there'd be no doctors. So we want more money, we want livable wages. Over at St. Andrew High for Girls, the cry was the same. The teachers want more money. Up to news time, efforts to reach Finance Minister Dr. Nigel Clark and Education Minister Favel Williams were unsuccessful. It's not immediately clear where this latest rejection vote leaves the negotiation process. Ricardo Brooks for Nationwide News. Listen, I'm a chat on Babylon right about now. <laughs> it's not funny, but uh, you have to take bad things back, Joe. Are the teachers being unreasonable? No, they're not. Teachers, and I think what a lot of um, government officials are not realizing is that teachers are not just teachers. They're more than that. They are the ones that shape the future. They are the ones that help to propel our children. They are the ones that are mothers and fathers to our children because some children have no mothers and fathers that care. Or some children have mothers and fathers who care but don't have the time because they're busy working. My mother would probably, probably kill me if she knew I was saying this about her. But over the years of her being an educator, I have seen her go in her handbag several times and take out money and give to students who don't have any money for tea time or to buy talk. I went to a boarding school. So tea time in the afternoon, you have tea time where you, know, you have your snacks and whatever. 
or you'd go to the tuck shop and buy your snacks and so on and so forth. I've seen her do that. I have seen her take shoes out of my father's business and give to students at school who have no shoes for where them parents can't afford no shoes. Graduation coming around, some of them, them parents can't find the money to get that beautiful white dress, the stockings, the shoes, and she has funded it. And she's not the only teacher who has done it. Several teachers have done that. I remember days being at school with her until 9 o'clock at night because students are in her office talking to her because they have no one to talk to. Think it's easy running a boarding school where you're responsible for day students and boarders? Not easy. It's a 24 hour 365 job. And when I say it is, it is, especially if you're a principal, it is. When school is out on summer holiday, teachers are still at school for another month. When school lock up, before we could even go on vacation, she's still going to the school every, almost every day to make sure everything is okay even though you have security that patrols. If anything happens, you get the call. The lives of teachers are not easy. You have teachers who walk for miles in some communities. I can tell you the plight of teachers firsthand. My father dead and gone, but I'm sure my spirit probably will roll if him hear me talking about this. Do you know how many teachers he was able to allow them to trust goods from him? Because he, the, he knows that them not have it for pay for the furniture up front, or pay for their appliances up front, or pay for the shoes up front. And he made provisions for them. We depend on these women and men to take care of our children. We don't defend them. We don't support them. As soon as they call us to talk about our child, we get on the defensive. And we're ready to fight them, curse them. Teachers put up with a lot. Basic school primary, all age, high, it's not easy. So I stand with them when they ask for more. You heard the numbers. You heard the numbers that Damon Crawford just echoed. And they're expected to show up and smile. And he said, the numbers don't even include care payment, mortgage, knockout. Teaching, and I'm not saying that 
every teacher 100% across the board is there because they truly care. Some do it because they have no choice. It's not their first option, but it's something to do. But let us talk about those who truly care about the state and the well-being of our country, which can only be made better through our children and how we prepare them. Many children are doctors and lawyers and engineers, politicians, change makers because of a teacher. Many are successful in business, arts, because of a teacher. Many have gone on to fulfill their dreams because of a teacher. You, Mr. Politician, and other politicians, sitting right there in the House of Parliament, are what you are because of a teacher. Am I not right? Yeah, because of a teacher. If no one took the time to get the training so that they could turn around and teach you, where would you be? Oh, how quickly we forget and step on the heads of those that helped to propel us, to shape us, to guide us, to protect us. So many teachers in so many communities feed children in their homes, have turned around to become daycare facilitators because the parents are out there working and their home is a safe space for children. I'm not asking you to empty the pot in a teacher's bank account. I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm asking for is for us to be more reasonable. Reasonable. The resources are, we're not talking about the private schools, we're talking about government schools, public schools. Resources, limited, but they have to make the best of it, right? And they make it happen. They make it happen. So I stand with you, teachers. Let me just jump to the chat real quick. Donald says, we live in a me, myself, and I society. So it's no longer about looking out for each other. The gap between the have and the haves not, it's getting bigger every day. You have to be born to be a good teacher and a nurse. Jamaica needs to give people like Crawford a chance. I think he will do well but we need more like him to change the old way of doing things. And I have to agree with Tasha. Grew up in a JLP family. Didn't put my hand up on that. But at this point, it's no longer about PNP or JLP. The country is headed in the wrong direction. We're tired of the recycled politicians in Jamaica who refuse to step aside. Who refuse to get the box and pack up them office and move, go, go to something else. Give young minds 
forward-thinking minds the opportunity. But we can't get rid of them unless we vote otherwise. Not so it goes. We ball for change, we cry out for change, but we have to bear some of the accountability. We have to. If we say, no, we're tired of you, we want somebody else, and we stick to that, and we find somebody else, or somebody else presents themselves, and we have examined them and found them to be fit, just like we have to do a fitness check in a Jamaica before you can put your vehicle on the road or before it can renew the registration. You have to have a fitness check done. Right? So if we do an examination, a fitness check, and found you a suitable candidate, we'll rally behind you. But we have to put that forth too. We can't keep crying while we're tired of the same politician then because then just de 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 them asleep in a parliament and then I wake up till they hear boom 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 on the table. So we have to step up and and get rid of them, cycle them out. Not cycle them out necessarily to forget about them. Some of them probably, yeah. Because we don't want them corrupt <laughs> Lord, I shouldn't say this. We don't want any corruption of the young minds because sometimes that can ruin you too you know we, i go in there with all intent and purpose to make a 180 degree yes not 360 because 360 puts you right back at square one to make a 180 degree turn turn the ship around improve things improve lives easy no doable yeah But everybody has to be on the same page, wanting the same thing, and leaving self behind. Denying thyself. That's what politics is about, you know. You're there to serve, not to be served. And a lot of us forget that. Our purpose is to serve others. That's it, you know. And we need to hold them to that. But we got to hold ourselves accountable. Right? Let go of this um, die-hard mentality. As our parents used to say, so, if somebody jump off a building, you're going to jump off too. Because that's what we do. No matter what, then can't wrong. No matter what. Till the day I die, I bleed green or I bleed orange. Even when it does not serve us. Even when it has not granted us the opportunity to rise up and be better and change our outcome. I'm done speaking. I think I've preached enough. <laughs> Go ahead, James. Yeah, you see, you see the problem is that, um, you see the, the opposition, because remember, I think that the prime minister himself was um, education, right? When he was in the opposition. And they always like, we just, I just feel like we need to cleanse the, the, the political system and just get some some like the, the the two 
younger political arm probably move them up and just move out the 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 the, the older um, folks from jail, both JLP and PMP. Because I'm sure back in the days, like the, the prime minister now, when um, the PMP was in office for like their 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 twenty straight years, and I wasn't doing much in, in terms of. Um, education i'm sure the opposition will always come out and uh, and say like you know this is what is to be done and then now you're in the in the seat and and you're not doing so i think i don't know we just need an overall in overall um in in the political system because um i'm tired of like the whole cycle where when you're in opposition you say one thing and then when you get the opportunity to to make a difference then you don't do it. That means you weren't being genuine when you were in the opposition. Because, as I said, Andrew was saying these, these same type of things and, and was um, at the time bragging about, um, you know, his, his high school and, and how um, as, a, as a young youth growing up without privilege and was able to be um, minister of education because of the school system. And then now you are the prime minister. And, and you don't do anything. So, yeah, we just need to change the political system. All right, thank you, James. But James, you, you speak about bringing in some young people to run it. But from the little I understand about the young people in Jamaica politics, these guys are groomed from institutions like UWE at an early age. So by the time they get into politics itself, they're already ingrained in the run-of-the-mill system that you have operated. So yes, they may be young, but then a lot of them come and recycle the same old policies or the same old systems. So it, at that time, if you're bringing the people in like that, then the age will make a difference. You just need a fresh, fresh ideas and probably a fresh system. But how, how do you get it? Donald, and that's why I, I um, said, you know, when I, when I said get rid of them, but um, I was going to say we need them to mentor. And I said, I was, you know, I stopped myself right there because we don't want them in, infiltrate. But you made a valid point from university. Probably one of the things we need to stop doing, um, Donald, is stop being adamant that they must have a degree because the truth is this a, a degree not really mean nothing you know depending on the the the, the avenue and, and let's be frank there are so many people who own companies who don't have degrees they hire people with the qualifications that they need they have wisdom they have common sense but the thing is, you see, sometimes the people that get in is the people that follow. They would not try to recruit people for a great extent that would shake them up. I think Damien Crawford is an exception in that manner because even sometimes people in his own party don't like the stance he take or the, the way, for instance, when he lost, he reached out to the opposition that won in his constituency, and so that was a big deal. But we need those kind of people. We need to give people like that a chance. We need to try something different. Because what we're doing right now is just not working. It's not. I agree. Thank you, Donald. Thank you, James. Next up, mechanic pleads guilty to murdering Kenise 
Jackson. Who remembers this story? Might jog your memory a little bit here. NationwideRadioJM.com is reporting that the St. Catherine-based mechanic Robert Fowler has pleaded guilty to murdering the 20-year-old accounting clerk, Canis Jackson. Fowler entered the guilty plea when he appeared in the Supreme Court in downtown Kingston on Wednesday. Fowler had confessed to the murder in a caution statement shortly after being taken into custody in 2021. He will return to court on April 27 this year for sentencing. Miss Jackson was reported missing on Wednesday, March 24, 2021 in Portmore, St. Catherine. Her body was discovered in the vicinity of the Portmore Fishing Village two days later. She reportedly left home for work but did not arrive there. When she did not report to work, her employer made contact with her mother, triggering a search. An autopsy revealed that she had been strangled. You remember that case where he picked her up and I think took her to his house and he had to go inside for something on what have you okay good i hope his life you get whatever happened did we ever hear get any follow-up with the story i think the young lady from um is it saint thomas and her dad was saying that she's legally blind i can't remember the story but i haven't heard anything recently it happened about I want to say two years ago where she went missing huh yeah i'm just wondering um jamaica observer is reporting that jamaica's stock of debt has declined jamaica's debt stock decreased over the 12-month period between march 2022 and february 2023 Minister of Finance and the Public Service, Dr. Nigel Clark, said the total public debt fell from $2.18 trillion in March 2022 to $2.16 trillion last month. How many zeros is trillion, by the way? I don't even know. How, how, how many zeros is Nine? That? I don't know. Nine? No, how man. Many? Nine is... Hold on. Billion? Nine, billion. Nine is so, billion. Well, so 12? 12 is trillion. Blows our skirt. That money there? Okay, we reduce our debt. <laughs> That's a lot of debt. That's a lot of debt. Murder. Thank you, Tasha. Yes, Jasmine Dean, the blind UA student. Yes, we haven't heard anything further about her. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, um... We reduce the debt, so that's a good thing, right? Hope we continue to reduce it, but damn, damn figures. How, oh, hold on there. How much is that in U.S.? First, my calculator. <laughs> but I'm saying, um, after a certain numbers, it's when you're not accustomed to things. And when you get to a certain, watch my calculator, careful, hold it. That's an astronaut. When you're not accustomed to certain things, Lord, me frightened, frightened bad. No, let me behave myself yeah so um last year the principal repayment on the debt was 162 billion dollars uh he is forecasting that in 2023 2024 the principal that is being repaid is 100 and, or the principal to be repaid um is 125 billion dollars so it is less by approximately 37 billion he pointed out meanwhile bauxite levy inflows to the government's coffers 
Why them let me for let go of some of these words, you know? Oh my gosh. The coffers for the current fiscal year are expected to total $1.2 billion. The outturn for 2022-2023, which Dr. Clark said is one of the better years, is lower than the $2.4 billion collected in 2021 to 2022. The minister pointed out, however, that the largest sum represents payments by some bauxite companies for other periods. All right. And last but not least in the entertainment sector of the Caribbean Quarter Entertainment License Challenge. Courtesy of Jamaica Observer. The local authorities in Negril are now trying to get entertainment promoters to resume applying for permission to stage events a year after the industry reopened following a forced shutdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic. According to Nalda Isu, commercial services manager at the Westmoreland Municipal Corporation, several promoters had, during the pandemic, taken their business underground. We observed a lot of underground promotions taking place. So as of March 18 last year, our local government ministry reopened the entertainment sector. From there, we have not seen the number of promoters coming in. Promoters have got comfortable putting on their events underground, and because it is underground, there is no need for licensing entities. All right, folks, let's start applying for a license. We need money in the pot. Please go back and apply for your licenses. Don't, because here's the thing, and here's what we need to understand. If we do not do it the legal way, the right way, and the police show up and lock off your party, you don't have no hand, for, no leg for stand up, right? Now, when you apply, you, you submit your application, you get your license, and it is to be done within a certain time. Dance for lock off a certain time. Make sure you lock it off a certain time. All right? If it's for lock off 3 o'clock in the morning and 4 o'clock, it's still a one and police show up, you don't have a leg to stand on. Right? We have to learn to play the rules. Play by the rules of the game. We have to. And I think that is one of our struggles. We are a little lawless. We lack discipline. We don't like structure. Let's do things the right way. All right? Submit your applications. and go put on your dance. The money I got take by liquor. See if you can use it. Forget your license. And I'm not sure what the fees are. But see if you can get the liquor upon consignment. Because that's the best way to go, right? Get it on consignment. What don't use, you carry back. And you don't have to pay for one or use. Simple. All right? Do it the right way, folks. We're going to take another quick break. It is hashtag TBT throwback thursday as we continue to celebrate women throughout the month of march which is women's history month here is a dinah hewitt howard sorry <laughs> freak like me
see, that's why I have to love my folks. Gotta love my folks. Thank you, Javette. Adina, get it right, moments. Get it right. Thank you to everyone listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. For quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. I'll always think of you inside of my private thoughts. Can't imagine you touching my private heart and just the Myself, that's why I want you so bad. And this one night, I want you there beside me. To everyone listening on JanoRadio.com, download that Jano Radio app. J A H K N O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. A big thank you to my Clubhouse family. Thank you for rocking with me. Thank you for your voice.
Tony Braxton. Thank you for this one. You're making me high. It's time for us to get back to business. And we're getting into stories out of Latin America. First up, courtesy of NPR.org. An attempted airport heist of $32 million in Chile leaves two people dead. An airport shootout in Chile's capital killed a security officer and an alleged robber on Wednesday in what authorities said was an attempted heist of more than $32 million in cash that was aboard a plane from Miami. Around 10 heavily armed robbers were able to skirt security measures to reach the runway at the Arturo Merino Benitez International Airport, where a Latam Airlines aircraft had $32.5 million in cash that was being transferred to an armored truck, according to Interior Subsecretary Manuel Monsalve. There was a shootout between the would-be robbers and security officials that killed an employee of the Directorate General of Civil Aviation, as well as an alleged assailant. The other robbers fled. Two burned vehicles were later found nearby. Video posted on social media appeared to show bullet holes on a Delta plane that was parked next to the Latham aircraft that was targeted. Another video appears to show a moment in the shootout during which a lot of gunshots can be heard. The attempted heist targeted the $32.5 million that were set to be transferred to an armored truck to then be distributed to several banks in the South American country. The attempted robbery will undoubtedly lead us to revise processes, protocols that must be improved. It forces us to rethink many things. This was not the first time the airport in Chile's capital was targeted. In 2020, thieves stole some $15 million from a warehouse in the airport. Wow. Six years after a similar $10 million heist. Okay, so y'all didn't learn from the first one and the second one that you needed tighter security measures, but this was an inside job. Were they watching um, takers over and over again? They, 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 they failed. They failed. I understand. Uh, yeah, 2020 is 15 million from a warehouse. That warehouse, they didn't have, um, what you call it, vaults that need so many custodians to get into. And then, what? hold on a second. What year are we in? Okay, that was followed by six years previous where there was a $10 million heist. Similar setup. Airport seems to be an easy target in Chile. They don't care to do anything about it. Well, now they have to. But that money's insured, so I ain't crying for the people, the banks. That, that money's well insured. Okay, next up. Remember we spoke about this story with the youth, the 106 children that were found in the back of the uh, trailer. Well, they have been returned to Guatemala. That's according to aljazeera.com. More than 100 children and teens from Guatemala have been flown home after they were discovered in a truck trailer in Mexico. One of the largest recent returns of unaccompanied minors back to the Central American country. The flight to Guatemala City on Wednesday carried 106 youths aged 12 to 17 
who had been traveling without family to the United States. Guatemala's Migration Institute released that this week. Ah, uh, you know what I'm here thinking? Could it be that parents deliberately send their children because they know it's possibly easier for the children to get in? Is, is that the case? Could that be the case? So they're willing to risk it that way? That could be one scenario. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Javette. But the other thing I was thinking, it could be child trafficking as well. Oh. So is it a good thing or a bad thing that they got sent back? You know, I didn't think about the child trafficking, Javet. I missed that part. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If they're being trafficked, good thing. Definitely a good thing. Definitely. Damn. Wow. Um... But let us say it was not trafficking. Let's say the parents made the decision, say, hey, we're going to risk it, send you so that you could, because many of them have family. Based on the story, they seem to have family already in the U.S. that they were going to send them to. For example, um, Ronnie Sakil said his 17-year-old brother Oscar was frustrated by the lack of schooling in their hometown. And um, Sakil explained that his brother had planned to reunite with their father in Chicago, Illinois, and would likely try the journey again soon. <sighs> Is the father here legally? Has the father, even if he got through illegally, has he been able to establish himself? Hmm. Um. Oh. Oh. Let me bring this up, not to go too much off on a tangent. But if there is anyone listening, whether online or right here in Clubhouse, whether it's yourself or you know someone who is here illegally, right? Illegally, meaning you came in a way you should not or you have overstayed your welcome. There is a way for you to be independent. The program is called ITIN, I-T-I-N, right? That program allows you to be able to be a contractor. It allows you to be able to work and get a W-2, allows you to be able to pay taxes. Now, if it is your plan to... um get a to become a resident and then a citizen at some point um this is something you definitely want to explore stop if you have children stop make people file for your children them feel you can file for your children yourself you can file your children yourself on your taxes so i tin I'd advise you to go on the website, irs.gov, individual taxpayer identification number. That's what it means. It's a tax processing number that the IRS issues to people who cannot get a social security number. Right? Let me say that again. 
an individual taxpayer identification number. ITIN is a tax processing number which is issued by the Internal Revenue Service. The IRS issues ITINs to individuals who are required to have a U.S. tax ID number but who do not have and are not eligible to obtain a social security number. What is it used for? IRS issues items to help individuals comply with U.S. tax laws and to provide a means to efficiently process I-T-I-N, I as in Igloo, T as in Tom, I as in Igloo, N as in Nancy, I-T-I-N, right? The IRS issues ITINs to help individuals comply with U.S. tax laws and to provide a means to efficiently process and account for tax returns and payments for those not eligible for Social Security numbers. All right. Do you need an Do any of these apply to you? And I'm on the irs.gov website. I invite you to go there. The information is there. Go and get it. If you are a non-resident alien who is required to file a U.S. tax return, if you are a U.S. resident alien who is based on days present in the United States filing a U.S. tax return, if you are a dependent or spouse of a U.S. citizen, or resident alien. If you are a dependent or spouse of a non-resident alien visa holder, if you are a non-resident alien claiming a tax treaty benefit, and if you are a non-resident alien student, professor, or researcher filing a U.S. tax return or claiming an exemption, I'm going to invite you to, um, if you're not sure what the language means or what it's saying and you want to make sure you're not making any mistakes or anything like that i'm going to invite you to go on instagram and check out ad1 tax prep donna ingram she is an authorized itin preparer all right i'm going to invite you to check her out or you can see if there is someone um that someone who knows someone who does it legally right you can stop living in the shadows people just thought i'd put that out there and i'm glad this article um i'm glad this article came up so i could um talk about it i i don't know much about it but i'm sharing the information and i'm pointing you in a direction or in directions you can go to get more information you can log on to irs.gov educate yourself become aware of it and i invite you to reach out to ad1 tax prep and they will be able to help you as well or if you know anyone who is able to help okay stop living in the shadows you can get your driver's license depend not every state is on board i must let you know not all states are on board yet go ahead dre oh sorry no <laughs> okay not all states are on board yet but some states are 
that will allow you to be able to get your driver's license using an ITIN and you don't have to be a resident. All right. Y'all work under the table and somebody have filed taxes for you or you're operating in somebody else's name. Trust me, IRS know all these things. They know all these things. They know the game. So don't think they don't know. There is a path to independence and freedom. Because the unfortunate thing is, I, I can't speak for the Latin community, but I can speak for the Caribbean community. And it's such a shame that we will take advantage of others that we say we're trying to help. Right? So Marla now will come up. I'm going to say, yes, Marla, no problem. Marla have two pitney or three pitney or four pitney. I'm going to say, no problem, man. You can come stay with me a little bit. And then after two weeks, I start show Marla bad face. And after three months, I say, time you come out of my house. If you have an item, it allows you to be able to go rent somewhere for yourself too. Right? You don't have to depend upon me for carry you every which way and then I turn up my face and say, me need my gas money and I have no gas money for give me. Yeah, burn out my gas and I have no time for you. It happens. Right? Regain your independence, folks. If you're here living under the shadows or in the shadows, Take your time and come out. People will file for your picnic and get, let's say, two thousand. Now they might go give you five hundred because they might do you a favor. Break free. So again, I implore everyone go on to irs.gov. It may be for you. It may be for someone you know. Uh, you yourself might have tired for help, people. Why we just tired for help, about Marlon? You know, Marlon, me hear about this program. Go check it out. IRS.gov. ITIN. I as in igloo, T as in Tom, I as in igloo, and as in Nancy. Tax identification number. Remember one thing about Uncle Sam, you know. Uncle Sam is like a stripper. Uncle Sam don't care where you get your money from. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Don't make me laugh. I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> wow. 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 Uncle Sam don't care where you get your money from. Uncle Sam just want their money. They want a piece of it because Uncle Sam want to feel good too. Yeah. Uncle Sam loves money. So you have to, you know, stroke Uncle Sam's head and make him feel good. You know what strippers do? Uncle Sam. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but um, thanks again for this story. So the good thing is that they're all safe. That's the good thing. They're all alive. But listen to what they said. <laughs> Javet, behave yourself. Listen to <laughs> No, Javet, have you can't go on now. Hold on. Listen to what was just said. They're going to try soon again. That speaks to the desperation of the situation. Speaks volumes, folks. Volumes. 
And as I said, here's another one. A little girl hoped to live with her sister who is already in the U.S. Another one, 17-year-old Glendy, one of nine siblings, had also sought a better future. Right? So they're living in extreme poverty, they're all saying, and they just want an opportunity. Yeah. All right, now on to the international scene. Police try to stop International Women's Day protests in Pakistan. Why? Can we have that just one day, please? Story is courtesy of NPR.org. Whoops, hold on. I pressed something wrong. My apologies here. I pressed the wrong sound bite. Okay, here we go. Women march on International Women's Day to demand equal rights. But their slogans like, my body, my choice, are red meat for conservatives who see the protesters as un-Islamic. And so there are always counter-protests by other women. NPR's Dia Hadid met demonstrators from both sides in Islamabad. Police try to prevent the Women's Day march in Islamabad. They block roads leading to the march. They fling up a cordon around the spot where protesters try to gather. So protesters burst through. As they gather, they clap to music. They chant, women have woken up. One protester is Fatma. She only gives her first name for fear of reprisal. She's 19, says she doesn't feel safe on the streets here. I do not want to be catcalled. I do not want to be harassed. I want to live and have a literal normal walk in this city, in this country. Trans woman Dua Ali says she's at the Women's Day March to demand safety. She says she works as a dancer and she's vulnerable to beatings, rape and even murder. At today's protest, there's also a group of Afghan women. They fled neighboring Afghanistan and they're grieving for their sisters back home who live under the Taliban's rule. Wesa Saadi is a former civil servant. I can't accept this situation for Afghan women. Afghans can't, can't have education, can't go to uh, universities. The world why just looking to us. We are women and we have rights. Later, the protesters try to march down the street, but they're not welcome. One officer fights with the women. Don't touch me! Don't touch me! The police beat the women with sticks. But it's not just the police opposed to the Women's Day marches. Half a mile down the road, there's a demonstration against Women's Day. It's a reminder that the demand for equality remains divisive in Pakistan. Dozens of women are at the counter-protest held by a powerful religious group. One of them is Shanza Khurshid. She's 20, wears a face veil. She says Islam has already given women all the rights they need. She says protesters at the Women's Day March have no honour. They're shameless. They're westernised. Then news erupts of more protests. These are tumultuous times in Pakistan. The protests are called by the former Prime Minister Imran Khan, who's demanding elections, but the current government refuses to go to the polls. The police crack down on those protests too, and Pakistan ends March the 8th as divided as it began. Dear Hadid, NPR News, Islamabad. You know, when I listened to the story earlier, 
it raised the question, can there be some middle ground? We are Western, we, we live in the West, in the Western world, right? We abide by Western laws and customs. That's the truth. May we like all of them? Not necessarily. But we appreciate them because they benefit us. It's how we've been raised. And we look on their customs and their norms and their value system and we look down on it and say, it's so wrong. But I ask the question, can there be some middle ground? Can we protect these women rather than beat them? Can we explain to them the reason why they are not? Because here's the thing. If you not understand why something being, is being done, you're going to rebel. Please explain to them the reasoning behind suppressing them. Also, please be willing to appease them. Allow them to have an education at least an education because by granting them an, the, the opportunity to have an education, guess what? They can turn around and teach their children. Hmm? They'll be able to help their children with homework because they're the caregivers. That's where we want them, right? That's where they want them in the homes. Allow them that. Allow them that. Allow them their bodies. How can you say you're respecting them, but yet you will rape them? That's not respecting them. So protect them. If you don't want to give them the same rights, the equality, so that they can enjoy the same rights and privileges that men do, the least you can do is protect them. Because I don't see protection there if you're going to beat them and rape them and take advantage of them. There's no respect. There is no regard for them. I think there needs to be a meeting and there needs to be some compromise. With all due respect to your laws and customs, I'm not saying to have them remove the hijabs or their, their garments. I'm not saying that. Allow them to wear mini skirts and short shorts. I'm not saying that. I'm not asking for that. I'm not asking for you to allow them to go to beaches and wear bathing suits. Not asking for you to allow them to, to um, participate in sports and, you know, wear what everybody else is wearing. I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking to, for you to allow them to feel like a human being. That's all. We can start there and possibly end there. Because again, I agree that everything from the West ain't the best. I do agree with that. But human rights, human rights for women, it's an ongoing fight. It's an ongoing fight. That's it. I'm done. How can you suppress another but yet allow them to be human beings? Hmm. They're like 
Chateau. Go ahead. Mommy, you, you just have to go and just say they just need to free up the woman because to me, like, I understand what you're saying, but to me, what you're saying kind of sound like I, I, I equate it to slavery. Like the, the, the slave master trying to say, allow them to do this and allow them to do that, but yet still keep them out slave. None of that just don't make sense to me. It's, it's either you, you, you let those women be free as free people and human beings to do what they want and make their own decision, but according to their tradition and customs, you know? So that, I don't know. To me, there's no middle ground when it comes to, to, to people in general and freedom. So, Dre, uh, let me ask you a question. The freedoms we enjoy right now, we enjoy them because of baby steps, right? So that's what I'm alluding to, baby steps. They're All not, right, point, point well taken there. <laughs> yeah. Baby steps to get there. All right, exactly. I take your point there, but, it, but it just before it just sounds like, allow them and allow them like how you allow they're not kids allow but point well taken all right you see we have to remember their customs centuries centuries of operating like this we have to remember that unless we're going to have a huge earthquake that ripped the country apart right or you know something like that but change will happen over time and can only happen if we crack that door open. Just crack it open. And it starts with conversation. Gaining an understanding of what I want, what you want, and how we can give each other what each other wants. Yeah, the word allow sounds a bit harsh. I know it does. But the truth is, that's what it is. They're being allowed to exist. They are allowed outside the home. Sad, really sad. Brown rising, number Good one. Good morning, Apple. I feel like them just need to get rid of some of these extremist religious practices and customs with them have, as well as it, from centuries. Same with Africa, you know what I mean? Right now, you have people on the ground. you are in the matrix or is it me and that because of really just our customs or whatever it is you know what i'm saying i see thing that take place over here so just recently some africans uh got arrested for um aliving uh, uh uh albino because they'll have this superstitious saying that if you you can use um, the albinos, body parts, bones, and stuff like that, and you know, in a certain rituals, and gain whatever it is they want to do the ritual for. So they were arrested recently, well, four or five of them, for for doing that to an albino. You know what I mean? And if you go to certain places in Africa, you can find like, the albinos, body parts, like them hand cut off, foot cut off, or them just dead. <laughs> a portion of just dead because of that superstitious practice for them have and it's the same thing when you go to the middle east it's like them have these 
same weirdness, you know what I mean? Some weird customs from centuries ago and the, the woman don't even allow to get a driver's license much less. So it I feel like them just need to like kinda get with the times. We now say just do everything as we stated earlier, as with these the, the Western do and just accept every little nastiness, you know what I mean? But kinda at least allow them to go to school, allow them to get a driver's license, <laughs> uh, allow them to go to the beach, like, you know what I mean, and still kind of cover up, I'm pretty sure, same like how a Christian can go up on a little beach trip and they might not have on a two-piece swimwear, but they might have on a little, you know, um, uh, short leggings or shorts and a t-shirt, uh, I mean, you know what I mean, rather than all of this dress cover up from head to toe like all thing you can see them eye and them in the water so them have fun like not, that kind of weird to me but I, I get it at them customs but certain stuff them just need to kind of relax on certain things but not go too much and so them are going to accept every single thing with the western do but like simple stuff baby steps as well you say all right education allow the woman them can work allow the woman them can drive um stop cut off people body parts stop mutilate woman because of some weird sick whatever rituals or customs they might have 2023 now when are still stuck in the past you know lower certain and try to move forward you know what i mean uh, yeah so i feel like they just need to kind of just take them time and just let go off of them something there uh, so, uh, so that people can live normal regular life or kind of feel somewhat normal you get what i say rather than feel like if them speak out of terms or if them somebody catch them at work or them fear for them life or if somebody catch them or go along at the dmv or, or go out the back or try to get a, some backdoor deal to get a driver's license and get catch you know what i mean them have somebody just have this big whatever it is over hang over them head you know what I mean? So if you know, do what I'm saying, oh, your life is in danger or whatever time, like I report it to the authorities. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. them something really take place. <laughs> them really take place. You know what I mean? Some of those people like say them just need to just leg off for some of them, them some of them um, customs, as norms. customs and, and, and norms with them have from thousand, one thousand years ago <laughs> or fifteen thousand years ago. Like yeah. leg off for them something there. Thank you, Afo. Uh, who's next? Go ahead, Chief. Good morning. Grand Rising, how are you? Queen? Grand Rising, God. So I was. I have a friend from Pakistan, and we had a long discussion about this. And uh, it, it was kind of an eye-opener conversation because he's he's in America. His family uh, left the country, came to the U.S. And it was really interesting because my conversation was just like the one we're having now. And he was saying, you, you don't, you, you, we live in a privilege. We, we don't even understand the level of privilege we operate out of, even as oppressed people. And, you know, of course I opposed the idea at first, uh, just by facial expression, but he said, think about this. Think about places like China. Why do they have to build the great wall? Think about places like North Korea. Why do they have such dogmatism? Think about places like China, like all of the places that are independent and highly progressive have some degressive value systems, but they're, they're built on a principle of fear and a never again approach, kind of like Jewish people, right? They have this preservation kind of uh, personality where everything has to be preserved and not forgotten. 
you know, and things like that. Like we're never going back to that. And so these people live in countries where they have seen, they went from, we're talking about places. If you look at their past, you're talking about places that, that used to really venerate women. Now their, their, their level of protection, they don't even remember why they protect their women so much. And, but it's fear-based, like, what are we protecting them from? You can protect your children, your own children, to the point of oppressing their children, right? Because you fear what, a, what society is going to do to your children. Imagine living in a country where your whole country could be subjected, not just your children, but your whole country. What extreme would you go to? To And I'm not, I'm not at all uh, validating or acknowledging this uh, oppression as, um, as rel- I mean, as, you know, in, uh, valuable to that degree, but I'm not in the position to say I live in a country like that, where I, I'm actually having to preserve my country f- from the fears of westernization or, and, and seeing the, the damages, because they look at our country, for example, and they say, look at these countries that are supposed to be the leaders of the world. And look at the level of denigration that they experience on a daily basis. And countries like that, look at that. And their level of fear is so deep that it's like fear. When, you know how we, how we like in my, in my profile, it says love is the only reality. Everything else is based in illusion. Well, illusion is about fear, right? And so these, these measures are so extreme against women because they felt that traditionally the women is the pinnacle of your society. You know, without your women, the value of your women dictates the value of your nation. That's a universal concept. And so I think this idea of preserving their women has turned into, has become so internalized, the fear has become so internalized that it just manifests in some of the most dysfunctional ways. You know, so that's my observation and my dialogue with my friend Irfan. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you so much for sharing, uh, Chief. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chief, and thank you, Apo. Uh, let me rump, jump to the chat. Geely said, it happens a lot in Uganda. They have the world's highest population of albinos, and I think she's referring to what um, the mutilation of uh, albinos, it, to, um, I think, uh, is what Apo was talking about. Geely uh, also said, women used to be free in Iran until the late 1970s until men started enforcing these religious practices. Most of these rules are put in place by the men of these countries. What are men afraid of? What are men afraid of, really? We bring you into the world. We had the choice to get rid of you, but we brought you into the world nonetheless. We raise you. We have the choice to abandon you, but we raise you. We nurture you. We love you. So where is this stemming from? And it's in the idea of superiority. It's in every, every sector of life. It's right here in the U.S. Don't be fooled. It's everywhere where men feel as though they are superior to women. Where did this come from?
who started this? Because whether you're Hindu, um, Jew, Christian, pro whatever, Protestant, whatever you are, it is a common thread. So it has nothing to do with religion. Where did it come from? Is it that you recognize Actually, our power? Our strength? Go ahead, Chief. Actually, it has more to do with religion than we admit. You know, because if you think about indigenous cultures, if you know about indigenous cultures, and those cultures deify women, they honor women, especially from a spiritual aspect. It's the it's the it's the it's the um, the immersion, the blending of ideas like Western ideas, Western thought, because it's highly influential. Like you can't go to a previously colonized nation and not be indoctrinated, even if you practice as a traditionalist. It's like going to school in Africa. Why do you think so many Africans have? Christian first names and may not practice necessarily Christianity, but you're already indoctrinated and the ideas of female oppression are brought about through a lot of those texts that which totally conflict, they're totally in conflict with other ideas about what women represent and female representation, right? It's like you, you look at, it's like watching television and turning the volume off, right? You, you see what you don't, like your ears can fool you, but then you watch it without listening, you see a whole totally different picture. You see everything that you're not supposed to see because if you listen to the narration, you miss the message. But to stay on point to the question, like the origins of that, we, we really do have to answer that question and we have to answer it from a perspective that is based in awareness and a knowledge about these people's systems of thought and culture and ideologies. Okay, so like Islam, most everybody knows that, and, and I don't mean any offense to anybody that practices Islam, but his, historically and culturally, you have seen female oppression for a very, very, very long time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that oppression show, reveals itself in, new, in numerous ways, right? And, and, and we, we don't ask ourselves, what is the origin of that, right? If you've already told the world that the first woman is the reason you got to have babies through the womb, she's the reason that, you know what I'm saying? Like you, 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 you blame the whole of creation on a woman. So you talk about origins and the whole world is influenced by one, two dominant religions, which is Christianity and Islam. And both have similar value systems that we ourselves didn't create. It's not even natural. It's not at all natural. So this idea, we're living in a very unnatural state, which is why everything is so freaking dysfunctional. You know what I'm saying? Like everything's based on war and, and, and uh, destruction of life as opposed to honoring and value the creation of life. Okay, so if that's the case, you can't do anything but reject women. Because that's, you know what I'm saying? That's like, a, <laughs> that's like God in the flesh. A creator, a, few, uh, a human creator, you know, and so it's just, it's a lot for us to look at and unpeel and unpack.
Yeah. We just got to be honest about it, though. Yeah. As you say, God, God in human flesh. You know, I, I flash back to this song, If God is a Woman or God a Woman, I flash back to that. And, you know, it makes you stop and think. Protector, provider, healer, nurturer, forgiving. Everything that we are taught God is, so too is a woman by nature. Makes you wonder, huh? Anyway. <sighs> yeah. Next up, Russian missiles target cities across Ukraine, officials say. Story courtesy of the Associated Press via WSVN. Uh, out of Kiev, Russia unleashed a massive missile barrage on cities across Ukraine early Thursday morning, targeting energy infrastructure facilities and hitting some residential buildings. That's according to Ukrainian officials. Air raid sirens wailed all over Ukraine, including the capital, Kiev, for at least five hours in the early morning hours. It was the first such missile attack in three weeks. Ukrainian media said air defense systems were activated in multiple regions. Kharkiv Governor Ole said there have been 15 strikes on the city of Kharkiv and the outlying northeastern region and residential buildings were hit. He promised to reveal more details about the scale of the damage or any casualties in Ukraine's second largest city. Objects of critical infrastructure is again in the crosshairs of the occupants. The governor of the southern Odessa region also reported strikes in Odessa, saying that energy facilities and residential buildings were being hit. I, I thought... um that when you're doing war certain things were off limits but that's not the case anymore you anything goes i don't know that's so war is now should now be well that <laughs> you know where anything goes <laughs> you know you know where anything goes so yeah but at the same time i try for the infrastructure and stuff like that you know i mean uh trust me right now as we, we said uh, last week or a week before, um, and even the WEF them, and all these people say, Bill Gates, all of them say, the next pandemic will be cyber. You know what I mean? It'll be cyber. It's not going to be, you know, these other countries invade the place and nukes and all. A cyber attack, proper infrastructure, cut arms, send out one EMP over your country, shut down your grid, not smart in the car, rather than chip. On a smart car now works so you can't move. Social media gone, phone gone, anything that is is is, is electronic all of that gone. You know what I mean? So that's the next big thing, you know what I mean? And you just left in the dark, sitting back in the dark ages. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's the big thing right now. Alright. So thank you, thank you. For Dre said no rules to a real world. Don't let them fool you. Thought that when it comes to war, you avoid certain key infrastructure, you know. But I guess no such thing as um, rules. <laughs> All right, and that one wraps up our story out for uh, wraps up our segment for stories out of Latin America and on the international scene. Here is SWV singing right here.
So just a quick reminder as to why we celebrate Women's History Month. During Women's History Month, we celebrate the countless women who have fought tirelessly and courageously for equality, justice, and opportunity in our nation. We also reaffirm our commitment to advancing rights and opportunities for women and girls in the United States and around the world. She doesn't treat you. To everyone listening online, the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, everyone listening on JanoRadio.com, and everyone right here with me on Clubhouse. I appreciate you all. in one more and then we're going to go ahead and get back to business. Thank you for keeping it locked to Coffee in Tow World News on the go. It is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. Today we're taking you back to the 90s R&B, playing songs by women. Sung by women, let me make that clear.
Love will definitely save the day. It is the answer, and I've said this several times. Love, yes, love. Love yourself first, and then it will be easier for you to love others. Thank you, Desiree, for this reminder. You gotta be. That's the title track. And it's time for us to go ahead and get back to business. Time for stories out of North America. First up, Congress overturns D.C. crime bill with President Biden's help. Story courtesy of NPR.org. The Democratic-held Senate approved a GOP-led resolution that will overrule the liberal Washington, D.C. City Council's rewrite of the criminal code for the nation's capital. The legislation now heads to President Biden's desk, who surprised congressional Democrats when he announced last week that he would not veto the measure. The vote has exposed divisions within Democratic ranks over how to confront widespread concerns over crime and public safety, which the party has historically lagged behind Republicans when it comes to voters' trust. The measure cleared the Senate 81-14. to Democrats, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, voted with the Republicans to approve it. One senator voted present. The measure only required a simple majority to pass. Last month, 31 House Democrats voted with all Republicans to pass the measure even before the president had made his position known. What we've got is a D.C. City Council that seems to be completely bent on achieving some sort of woke messaging on criminal justice reform, as opposed to worrying about the safety and security of people who come to visit and those who reside in the city. That's according to uh, Senator, Bill, Senator Bill Haggerty, Republican for Tennessee, who is the lead sponsor of the resolution. The D.C. bill is the product of a years-long review that involved various stakeholders in the criminal justice system. It passed the D.C. Council unanimously, but was vetoed by Mayor Muriel Bowser, a Democrat. Her veto was overruled, but her opposition helped fuel GOP arguments and Biden's concern that the bill could be perceived as too soft on crime at a time when rates of homicides and car thefts are rising in the city, according to police data. All right, then. Okay. Is it... Is it just me or now that I'm hearing the politicians or let me say the people that are so-called in rule, when they're using the term woke, they have just made a 180 degree turn from what it initially meant. It, It seems to be used now to, for me, to ban books, you know, to take away women's rights. I don't know. It, it, it seems to turn around from being now negative than how I used to see it as positive. But is that just me? So, no, it's so not. hold on, Apple. So, so um, Javette, as you were talking, you know, I, I myself have forgot what the word woke means. So I took myself to Google. 
right? <laughs> what is the history of the word Vogue and its modern uses? Well, according to independent.uk.co.uk, um, the phrase originated from African-American vernacular. Why is it? Listen, these things. Okay. The phrase originated from African-American vernacular English, but has been gradually co-opted by right-wing players to be used as an insult. Following the new U.S. President Joe Biden's inauguration earlier, um, and this article was written some time ago, so earlier this week, Boris Johnson was asked if Mr. Biden was woke. The Prime Minister answered that there was nothing wrong with being woke, but that it was important to stick up for your history, your traditions, and your values, the things you believe in. The word woke is difficult to get away from in the media and popular culture nowadays. But before the Black Lives Matter movement, it was barely known in the UK, despite having been used in the US throughout the early 2000s. Woke is currently used by the political left to refer to progressiveness and social justice. While those on the political right have weaponized it as a way to denigrate those who disagree with their beliefs. But where did the word come from and how did it arrive at this point? The phrase woke and to stay woke is not new. It began appearing in the 1940s and was first used by African-Americans to literally mean becoming woken up or sensitized to issues of justice. Um, Mr. Thorne, a visiting consultant at King's College in London, told The Independent that the word is rooted in African-American vernacular English and was used in American street and youth culture for a long time. In 1971, the phrase was used in a play by American playwright Barry Beckham titled Garvey Lives, in which he wrote, I've been sleeping all my life, and now that Mr. Garvey done woke me up, I'm going to stay woke, and I'm going to help him wake up every other black folk. It also entered popular culture thanks to singer Erica Badu, who used the phrase I stay woke in her 2008 song Master Teacher. David Stovall, a professor of African-American studies at the University of Illinois, Chicago, told the New York Times that Miss Badu's use of the phrase meant not being placated, not anesthetized. It started becoming a politicized word in 2014 after the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, sparked the Black Lives Matter movement. Woke was largely unknown in the UK until the BLM movement, but in the 2000s, it was a popular word used by young people in America, especially in black communities. So now we're going to talk about the twisting of woke. It was only in 2017 that the word woke was added to the Oxford Dictionary and was defined as being aware or well-informed in a political or cultural sense. It evolved into an all-encompassing term to describe leftist political ideology, used as a shorthand for people on the left to signal progressiveness, but weaponized by those on the right as a snaring, jeering, dismissive term to denigrate those, of course, who don't agree with their beliefs. Like phrases before it, such as politically correct, social justice warrior, and cancel culture, Woke has become a toxicized term used by alt-right and politically conservative groups to insult people on the left. People who are woke simply can't use the word anymore, explained Mr. Thorne, 
it's been appropriated, co-opted, and toxicized by the alt-right and right-wing speakers. Those who are woke can still talk about empathy and compassion and, and social justice, but I think they have had to abandon the neat, snappy slang words and go back to explaining what they really believe. Woke, folks. So so it isn't just me. <laughs> no. Oh, Javid, it's not. It isn't just me. I mean, I have a family member that works for one of the really big oil companies, and she's part of the black diversity groups, blah, 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 blah. They had a whole panel discussion on woke. And it was open to everyone at this particular corporation. And no one, and I, I actually attended, no one came at it for me as seeing it as a negative for a person to be aware of what is happening to them in this world. And it did not matter that we're speaking uh, through our black lives. It was everyone to become aware of things that are happening in the world, how you express yourself to people. You know, the things you may say that may hurt someone, the things that are being done in a company that you're not noticing that is happening to one group versus the other. But now it's all turned around and I don't even like, personally, I don't even like hearing it anymore. Just like what you just read said. So thank you for reading that moments. You are welcome, Jeff. let be honest, there's a lot of people that are not woke that jump behind the whole woke thing and now we are here. The woke coming, it, it, to me is like this cancer culture thing. Like everybody just gather around one thing and just turn it into a whole negative thing. And I think that's where the problem lies and that's why the right can weaponize it. Because half of these people are not woke, that think they're woke, and use the word and cancer culture and all of those things and push negative also. So that, that's the way I look at it. I don't, even, I don't even like the word. I don't even like to hear people that say they're woke. I woke up. <laughs> Go ahead, Jafat. No, I was going, I, I interrupt. I don't know if it was Afro, Afro or Dre, but I apologize. Oh, okay. good morning. Um, but yeah, all them, me, I don't care how, how they want to twist the word, whether they want to villainize the word or make it be this new N word. You know what I mean? I dare not say it or dare not be this so called woke. Uh, at the end of the day, um, we know the origin of it, the meaning of it. You know what I mean? So I'm still going to use it, I'm still going to become woke. Still become knowledgeable, you know what I mean. Always be aware, always be knowledgeable, and uh, don't ever stop search for knowledge. You know what I mean. So uh, to me, I care zero all them. All them want for weaponize, villainize it, or whatever it is. But still, I use it. You know what I mean. And if them can't stand it, or whoever can't stand it, it's a problem. That inside to me, I say, because we know the origin of it and where it come from, uh, who used to use it, and how it was used. So, care zero how they want to feel. You get me? And when we have kids, or anybody who come across, family, friends, 
I'm going to make always make them know and say, hey, be woke, be conscious, you know, be aware, seek knowledge. You get what I say? So, yeah, that's how so, so I deal with it. Thank you, Afu. Thank you, Javed. Javed, I'm glad you asked the question you did because um, it allowed us to remember its origins. I'm going to be honest. I don't know where the word came from. The term, I didn't understand the term until our beloved Ronda Santimonia started using it, right? That's when I was like, oh, okay. And I'm going to be honest. Yes, I am not up on all the vernacular that's used in African-American culture. I'm not African-American. I'm Jamaican, right? And our words are different, but I live here, so I have to learn them. And I always thought of it as something positive. Stay woke. Be aware. Be conscious. Be mindful. But Thanks to Rhonda Sanctimonious, it has been weaponized. And I think more so now than ever before. It's looked at in a negative way. If you say woke, now you are a problem. Hmm. And who likes a problem? Nobody. And what, not, what do we normally do when we have a problem? We try to do what? Get rid of the problem. Yeah. Uh, moment. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chief. We, 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 have to, we have to reclaim or redefine things that came from us, right? Like, okay, so if you want to criticize being woke, then we will call you sleep because that's really what it's about. We didn't want you to wake up. We didn't want you to be conscious. We want you sleep. So if you take a powerful statement that moves people, that awakens people, and you know you hypnotize them into making it making people think that it's a bad statement. Like even the fact that we're so linear, most of us who understand African Americans who understand woke, a lot of us got some of that from places in the diaspora. You know, you had people listening to the conscious reggae. Conscious is the same as woke. It's the same exact thing. We just used a different word to define mm-hmm. the same goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. And now you got people who want to take something that come from you, make you hate it, make you dislike it. That's that's extreme. That's so that's so cold blooded <laughs> that it should make us understand. I can make you hate the very thing you love, even each other. Ah, thank you like, for highlighting that part. Yes. Even each other, right, Chief? <laughs> That's right. Internalization. Yeah. Internalization. That's all it is. It's like getting. It's like taking somebody. It's like taking a woman or a man who's been raped. Once they internalize that, how does it manifest? You learn to utilize the thing that abused you, that you dislike. Malcolm said it best. He said, to teach a man to hate himself is the greatest crime you can commit against a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Chief. Donald, you had opened your mic. Go right ahead. Yeah, the thing is, as long as we have very little control of our media or the media that we digest, it's very difficult to control these things. You understand? Because 
you can have no revolution without a strong media arm. If you look at any change of any significance, there was always a big segment of media and putting your own material out there behind it. And what we have is we have a media that literally controls the narrative. So they could flip and twist whatever they want because we digest a foreign media. So we cannot put our ideas out there on a global scale. We cannot do things that can impact our lives positively on a global scale. And every time you find a group come and try to make people conscious and so on, they demonize them and then they just flip the script on you and nullifies you. So in order for us to make any meaningful change, we have to find a way to communicate amongst ourselves independently. I'm not sure how that can be done. All right, thank you, everyone. Next. Oh, can I just say this really quick before we yes, move on? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, there was this video that I watched. Um, it's like a long time video, and it's like uh, I guess they are elites, one percenters, whatever the hell they, they are, cabal, whatever. And they're basically saying that they want to keep people asleep, um, dumb and docile, and it, it, it's like it's a war upon consciousness. <laughs> you know what I mean? A war upon people who are trying to be knowledgeable or be aware of the agendas and stuff like that. And they're saying that if we have the masses wake up and get hip to what we are trying to do, and these people become a problem, they can't get to carry out what it is they need to carry out. So, they said so they try to come with all sorts of things, whether the food, social media, um, television programming, all, all them stuff, the media, music, everything fit, keep that person dumb and docile, you know what I mean, keep them distracted so they can get to carry out them agendas, because, you know what I mean, that way, because if everybody distracted and I do uh, the, the, all the latest and the dumbest TikTok trends and all these things, you know what I mean, uh, and just distracted, them um them can easily control the mass you know turn people against each other all these um, these things and you know i mean villainize certain people with uh message and stuff like that you know what i mean that way them them have more control over the, the the masses you get me rather than everybody wake up and aware and everybody are unite there's no controlling right. and them can't get for care of them plans so me seeing that video there I come from the mouth of these people where, where I have the power to push certain stuff. I mean, no, what I'm all about and whatever I try to do. You have to continue to stay woke and conscious. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. All right, thank you. Thank you, thank you, everyone. Our next story three injured in a fiery train derailment caused by a rock slide. This story, courtesy of the Associated Press via WSVN Miami. We're back with more train trouble, this one out of West Virginia. Officials say Mother Nature is to blame for the derailment, which caused a spill and fire, and it left three workers injured. Fortunately, our three crew members uh, will be okay. They're safe. Several train cars left off the tracks after a freight train derailment in Summers County, Virginia, yesterday morning. Officials report four locomotives and 22 empty cars were affected. A large, very large boulder detached from the rock face and landed on 
the right of way and it derailed the train. The incident concerning for locals after the toxic train wreck in Ohio last month. It's not a constant thing in our minds. It is on everyone's mind because of the incidents in Ohio. This is unrelated. It is not uh, operator error or weather related other than it is a, uh, a natural act that can take place on any railroad in mountainous areas at, uh, on any day. The focus turns to environmental concerns as crews watch a locomotive and tanker that landed into a river. The first priority is containment. Uh, the fire needs to be extinguished uh, and then we can start removing the cars, uh, the locomotives and repairing the track and we'll do that as, as, as uh, swiftly and as safely as possible but right now we're focused on that containment. This was a purely a natural cause uh, derailment, um, an act of God if you will. Still no timeline to resume operations on the tracks as of yet. Environmental protection officials are watching the situation in the water and any other potential health risks. All right, thank you, WSVN Miami, for that one. Um, next up, Louisville Metro Police uh, Department uses excessive force and unlawfully discriminates against black people. That is according to a DOJ report, and I also have the soundbite for that one. Lorena. Well, Vanessa Ethan, we begin with the troubling findings of an investigation into the Louisville Metro Police Department following the death of Breonna Taylor. The Department of Justice launched the investigation in April 2021, almost a year after the 26-year-old was shot and killed in her apartment during a botched raid in March of 2020. We're learning there have been patterns of practice that violates the U.S. Constitution and federal law. Let's listen as the Attorney General details what the investigation found. The department has concluded that there is reasonable cause to believe that Louisville Metro and LMPD engaged in a pattern or practice of conduct that violates the First and Fourth Amendments of the Constitution. There is also reasonable cause to believe that they engage in conduct that violates Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Safe Streets Act, and the Americans with Disabilities Act. Specifically, the report finds that LMPD uses excessive force, including unjustified neck restraints and the unreasonable use of police dogs and tasers, conducts searches based on invalid warrants, unlawfully executes warrants without knocking and announcing, unlawfully stops, searches, detains, and arrests people, unlawfully discriminates against black people in enforcement activities, violates the rights of people engaged in protected speech, critical of policing, and along with Louisville Metro, discriminates against people with behavioral health disabilities when responding to them in crisis. LMPD has relied heavily on pretextual traffic stops in black neighborhoods. In these stops, officers use the pretense of making a stop for a minor traffic offense in order to investigate for other crimes. Some officers have demonstrated disrespect for the people they are sworn to protect. Some have videotaped themselves throwing drinks at pedestrians from their cars, insulted people with disabilities, and called black people monkeys, animal, and boy. This conduct is unacceptable. 
And also today, the DOJ announcing they're launching an examination of the Memphis Police Department's use of force policies and practices. This after the brutal beating and killing of Tyree Nichols in January. The announcement ahead of the expected release of about 20 more hours of footage from Nichols' encounter with police. Now that footage is expected to be released sometime today. And as for the city of Louisville and its police department, they have agreed to a federal consent decree as they work towards reform. Live at the Satellite Center, Lorena Estrada, 7 News. And on the heels of that story, a judge blocks the release of additional footage of the beating death of Tyree Nichols. Story courtesy of NPR.org. If we remember yesterday, there was supposed to be a full release. A judge in Tennessee has blocked the release of some 20 hours of additional video and audio recordings of the beating death of Tyree Nichols by Memphis police officers in January. Those recordings, along with other reports and personal files related to an administrative investigation by Memphis City officials, had been slated to be released on Wednesday. But Shelby County Criminal Court Judge James Jones Jr. intervened to delay the planned release of the recordings and documents after a last-minute motion by a defense attorney for one of the five former officers charged with second-degree murder in Nichols's death. The records will be held until prosecutors and defense attorneys have been able to review them. The court order says it is unclear when that will be. The motion and order filed today are the right or are the result rather of the need to balance the interests of transparency with the defendant's rights to a fair trial. That's according to Blake Ballin, the defense lawyer who filed the motion. Police department investigations often uncover evidence that is irrelevant, prejudicial, misleading, or inadmissible. In a statement, the Shelby County District Attorney's Office said it had supported officials' decision to release the additional video footage. But prosecutors did not object to the delay on documents and other material from the administrative investigation. Our office needs to review it carefully to ensure it does not prejudice the defendant or jeopardize our prosecution, and that's according to prosecutors. Nichols, and if we remember that he was a 29-year-old black man that was stopped by Memphis police as he was driving near his home on the evening of uh, January 7, and we all remember that police claimed the traffic stop was for reckless driving. However, documents show that officers never explained the reason for the stop to Nichols. <sighs> um, Louisville, that's where Kentucky. Yeah. So they never did due diligence prior to yesterday? Hmm, okay. Next up, uh, three police, three Los Angeles police officers shot and their conditions are unknown. The story is courtesy of the Associated Press via WSVN Miami. Or should it become available before the end of 7 News at 11? Oh, hold on. Let me start over. My bad. 
My bad. Out of Southern California, three Los Angeles police officers have been shot. The assailant has barricaded himself in the garage of a home. These are live pictures from this scene that's unfolding right now. That was last night, folks. The SWAT team has responded. Uh, details about the initial call, in other words, what brought those officers out there, not clear. Some of the early reporting is that the officers may have been trying to serve a warrant. The condition of those wounded officers is not yet known, but we'll stay on top of this and bring you more should it become available before the end of 7 News at 11. Wow, um, that is sad. Sad indeed. Next up, Nikki Haley calls for changing the retirement age. Story courtesy of CNN Politics. What you got to say, uh, Nikki? Why are you why, why are you going that route? <laughs> And we need to acknowledge entitlement. We need to acknowledge all of the entitlements that we have. It's an issue because you've got a situation that Social Security is going to go bankrupt in 10 years. Medicare is going to go bankrupt in five years. You can do what Joe Biden's doing and hide your head in the sand or, as he loves to do, raise taxes. But that's the lazy way out. We need to fix it. How do we fix it? You reform the entitlements, but you do it in a way that you don't take anything away from seniors or people who are getting ready to retire. You focus on the new generation. You focus on what's next. So the first thing you do is you change the retirement age of the young people coming up so that we can try and have some sort of system for them. The second thing is you go and you limit the benefits for wealthy people. Of them will tell you they don't even want it, but you limit the benefits for wealthy people. Then you go and you look at cost of living. Cost of living should actually be tied to actual inflation. That's something both Republicans and Democrats will agree on. We can get that done. And then when it comes to Medicare, you expand Medicare packages for Medicare Advantage. Make sure there's more competition. Make sure there's more choices. That will actually cut down on the cost when we look at that. But what is interesting Welcome is that who's talking? What, what's interesting is that she's not saying what, what age. Hey, Teflon. Good afternoon for us. Good, good afternoon. Good afternoon. That, you know, I was just going to ask the same question, whether, whether it's reducing or increasing it. But um, if I'm guessing right, um, they'll probably be going, going up and not oh, down. Because yeah. that's what they normally do. Yeah, work till you die. Work till you die, we, we don't have to pay you out anything, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or it will limit the amount we'll have to pay out to you because your life expectancy is going to diminish from stress anyway. Because here's the thing. When she's going to say the first thing you do is change the retirement age of the young people coming up so that we can try and have some sort of system for them. Haley's campaign did not respond to CNN when asked, what would the new retirement age be? She didn't even respond. So you're going you're, you're gonna, to uh, make that statement and not even be able to say what age you're recommending because you know damn well the age you're going to recommend is wickedness. You know it's wickedness. What, because all of you sit in politics and work yeah. until you're 90 years old, we must work till we're 92. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. I am still confused and surprised, and maybe I just don't understand. And they say something? How 
is social security an entitlement? It is. If I understand correctly, all your working life in this place, you pay social security and Medicare. So you pay social security and Medicare till you get to 65 or whenever you retire. And then they're saying that you're, and what, you, what you're paid into is an entitlement for you and it could only fund five and six and seven years. Meanwhile, the entitlement that this politician gets is never cut. It's always going up. They are not subject to the same health insurance you have. They are not subject to the same pension plans you have. They are not subject to anything that the average man has. But it's the average man who pay into the schemes that is getting an entitlement. <laughs> Make it make sense, right, Dono? Listen. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was that was that was a good observ observation. So basically, you, you're paying into a pot, and then it's like you have to beg for your own money, kind of thing. That's what they're trying. That's what they're trying to say. Because being entitled, an entitlement is like when you when you're applying for handouts. So basically, you're <laughs> 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 they're really taking the piss, isn't it? They're really um, taking the piss. Listen. Teflon and Donna, let me tell you something. We love the news because guess what? It's better than any comedy you can watch. It's ridiculous. I don't know what these people think, how they think. I don't get it. They want you to beg for your own money. Yes! That's, that's liberties, man. <laughs> liberties. But it goes back to the same thing. They keep coining this phrase and pushing them at us. What entitlement? It's all right. You're paid into it. It's not no free money. You know how much taxes people pay in, the, in this country every week? And you telling me when I retire, oh, you're doing me a favor by giving <laughs> back some of the money I put in? If the money you take in taxes, you put it in the S&P 500 and do nothing else, you'll be a millionaire when you retire. Here comes Donny boy. Let's give him, let's see what he wants. Donny, what you want? Oh, you want your social security? Why do you think you're entitled to it, Donny? <laughs> And Donnie says, but I've been and paying then, for but I've been paying then, into it. And then if and then if you don't behave yourself, like no, you can't, you can't have it. <laughs> and, and Donnie says, but I've been and then, working. And then oh and, and then and then here's a here's a fun part. They'll apply a lot of pressure during your lifetime, add so much stress, and then you won't be able to claim none of it. Because <laughs> you, you're gonna be taken out. Yeah, Lord have mercy. So sad. But tell us something. Knowing a nice like Mary come. Remember me tell you that. We care about you. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Listen, folks. At the end of the day, you cannot rely on social security. Yes, it is your money that you worked hard for. Had to put up with a lot of BS on the job. Right? You didn't even have a choice to say you don't want to pay into social security. You would rather get set up your own investment. You didn't have a choice. You are mandated to pay into it. And then they look at you and say, ah, oh, Donnie, mm -mm. Donnie, where are you going, Donnie? Oh, I'm here to collect my check. Donnie, 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 Donnie. No, 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 no. Go back and work some more years. <laughs> but I was planning to retire in Costa Rica. Oh, no, Donnie, Donnie. I'm tired of this begging. Every time you're begging, <laughs> I think I, I think they're going to raise it 
to 67 because um, they raised our one from 65 to 67. So, yeah, yeah I, can, yeah, I can see that happening. Sorry, yeah. sorry to be the bearer of bad news. You know what? I believe you. I do believe you. Y'all better. They already had. Go ahead. They already Sina. have. They have? They already have. Look at look at your benefits. They already have. So basically before it was, so what they want you to do now is at 65, they clear that you're turning 65, but they're going to strongly request that you push back to 67. So you can retire, Sunet, but you just know for two years you ain't get nothing. Your benefits will not be at the same level as it would be when you become 67. <laughs> you're going to take, you're, you're going to um, lose some. So Lose wait. some of your money. Well, you let's let me um, let me change the way you say it. Okay. So it's like the, I don't want to bring something else into it because that causes confusion. But yeah, the 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 objective right now at this point is for people to retire at sixty seven, not sixty five, as in the last as the prior fifty sixty years. So sixty seven. Just keep that number in your mind. Forget about sixty five. You still have to tell them you're going to turn sixty five. It is a good idea to register at that point, but. Because it's a bureaucracy, things are slow, so then they push it. And, and that's it. Oh, jeez. Um, so, Sonnet, according, mm-hmm. to, according to the rule of thumb, we are supposed to live at least 70 years, right? So let's say everybody taps out at age 70. You turn 70, we die. So you're telling me I only have three years to enjoy my life? <laughs> You have all your life to enjoy your life. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? I understand so, what you mean. I what you mean. So, 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 you know, um, you're, you know, I've, ne- I've never asked this question yet, but um, you, you know your pension, yeah? you know, if you die, um, does it just dis- disintegrate or does it, can you pass it on to your kids? I don't know. No, um, I think there is some sort of benefit if you are married. So your 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 spouse, your your living spouse, can benefit from some of your stuff. Not I, so. I do not believe I should look that up. I do not believe Social Security is one of those things. It's one of the things I have honestly not focused on terribly. But like your four hundred one k or something that's private, that can go to your partner, your living partner. If you get divorced, it's done. Children, no, because they're children. Unless something catastrophic happens to you, and then they get the benefit of that. But no, it's 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 usually your living spouse. So the government will then keep um, the rest of the money? Yes, sir. Where is the... Wow, okay. The rest? They keep most of it. <laughs> they put in retirement age so that you almost die by the time you get it. <laughs> Donald, why, why do you always have to make And you can't really afford bad. a steak. <laughs> <laughs> you know, y'all are bad. Y'all Donald are bad. always has to make it... Yeah, you have to make it sound really bad. At least try to dress up a little bit for us. Okay, so hold on. Listen, y'all are bad. Y'all not going to get no retirement money. Um, None for you, none for you, and none for you. So in the chat, um, people get hurt and have to go through hell to get social security disability. By the time it's approved, they're dead. Julie, you're not easy at all. And Julie also put, in my job, the spouse would get half your pension for five years after your death so who get the other half now me that married to him now me when i get everything now me that i put up with the stress government when i help me put up with the stress so who get the other half 
Who get the she other half? She said Ukraine. She said Ukraine. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm laughing and crying. <laughs> Listen, but yeah, that's also separate from Social Security. I'm not to. I'm not sure trying to battle it at all. But pension, so those are private. You know, it's it's from the company giving it that. It's I not it Social Security, right? No, no, no. Julie, Julie wrote pension, and oh, she pension. correctly wrote pension. Okay, she wrote okay. what she wrote. Okay, okay. But but. As as the topic when we're talking about Social Security, it's separate. That's why I was saying if it's your four hundred one k or other savings plans related to your company, it's different than okay. Social Security Administration. They don't care about your people. If if you're disabled, maybe, but it's 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 a lot of paperwork you have to fill out, and that's one of the reasons why I've never focused on that part and the um, human resources part of my job. Yeah, I don't like it. It's too much. Ooh. Oh, so Stanley, you know that if you file disability, make sure you don't leave a box over 10 pounds, you're in trouble. <laughs> they will take it back. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Lord you are, mercy. when you sign up for disability, you have to make sure you maintain everything that you signed up for. You you have to follow the rules and people will investigate you. They will come dig up Anytime. your trash can? <laughs> yes. They, I have been a part of having surveillance put on an employee who claimed they were injured and they were not. And I said, yes, do the surveillance. Because if, you're, if, if other people are seeing you do something that you're claiming you cannot do on the job, that means you are not currently injured. Yeah. Sorry, but it's a part of the job. I'm glad you brought that up, Sunette, because for those folks who like to file for workman's comp, they watch you too on the job. They watch you because if you are doing anything that goes against that agreement, yep, you will lose it. Gotta be smart, folks. Yeah, read the fine print. Gotta read the smart. fine print. Yep. Read the fine print. Yep. I remember. <laughs> I remember a company I worked with. This lady filed for workman's comp because she got injured on the job. So it got approved, got approved that she went to the company's doctor because they tell you which doctor to go to. She went and the doctor approved it and they have to pay her the workman's comp and agreed to the different stipulations that she has to work under and blase blase. She says she can hardly walk, right? And she wears this back brace to work every day. So come December, they don't call it a Christmas party. They call it an end of year party. She is on the dance floor getting down. You know she lost her job. <laughs> you can't do that. How the hell you go be approved for workman's comp? Stay. Oh, you should see her when she's walking on the job. You feel sorry for her like you want to give her a walker. But then she turns around and puts it down on the dance floor at the company event where HR is sitting watching everybody's behind. Is you dumb or is you dumb? So she lost her job. You got to be careful, folks. If you're crippled, you're crippled. Even if you, if you have insurance companies do it too. You better put on that damn neck brace while you wait for that check. Yeah, they'll find, they'll find every, every excuse not to pay out. They like to collect from you, but they never like to give back to you. <laughs> Listen, y'all got to protect yourselves out there in these streets. Okay, next up. So where were we? 
Uh, I forgot. Okay. Nikki Haley. Yeah, Nikki Haley. Nikki girl. Anyway, next story. U.S. black couple settles lawsuit over whitewashed home valuation. Story courtesy of BBC.com. A U.S. black couple has settled a lawsuit with a real estate appraiser whom they accused of giving their home a low valuation because of their race. Tanisha Tate Austin and Paul Austin's house was valued in 2020 at nearly $1 million. Well, nearly $1 million, much less than expected. They asked for an appraisal with another firm, this time with a white friend posing as the California's homeowner. It was valued at nearly $1.5 million. According to official figures, 92.4% of home appraisers are white. In 2021, the Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation released a study of 12 million appraisals over five years, showing homes in black and Hispanic neighborhoods were routinely undervalued. Miss Tate Austin and Mr. Austin bought the house in 2016 in Marin City, a city about 11 miles from San Francisco for about $550,000. The city has a large African-American population, 38%, compared with the predominantly white Marin County. Is it Marin, uh, Senate? Is it Marin or Marine? M-A-R-I-N. Uh, Marin, Marin County. Marin. Marin County. Okay, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. Where it is situated, in which only 2.8% of the population is black. In 2020, when interest rates were historically low, the couple decided to refinance their mortgage. The year before, a company had appraised their four-bedroom property for $1,450,000 after they made major improvements, including adding square footage. But when they decided to refinance again in 2020 to take advantage of low rates, they were appraised for just $995,000. So they came up with an experiment. What if their friend, a white woman, posed as the homeowner and said, instead, they removed all traces of themselves from their home, including their African-themed artwork and their photographs. The process is known as whitewashing and black homeowners across the country have reported doing it in order to sell their properties several weeks after their first estimate a different appraiser toured the house for the decoy white homeowner this time it was appraised for one million four hundred and eighty two thousand five hundred dollars almost half a million dollars more than the initial estimate that's according to the lawsuit you feel a sense of relief like i told you then you just feel a sense of sadness. We had to do what we had to do in order to have our house appraised for what it should have been appraised for from the start. I mean, it's the financial impact, but it's the emotional impact. It's the feeling every day like the tax of being African-American in this country, like you don't know it's a coin toss. The couple sued the first appraisal company for violating the Fair Housing Act, a federal law that prohibits housing discrimination. The lawsuit was settled on Wednesday for an undisclosed amount. It's a shame. Can we have more black appraisers step up, please? Because clearly there is an imbalance in the scales and it works to their advantage. 
92.4% of home appraisers are white. Why aren't more blacks doing this? And probably 95% of the institution that they work for are white. So how are the black appraisers supposed to get all these jobs? Tell me. Yeah, I have to agree too. I have to agree. So I'm mean, gonna like the idea where you know what takes place, aware of what takes place, you try to bring awareness to a lot of these stuff, especially being here in this country. And persons are gonna say, yo, you need to pull yourself up by the bootstrap. Stop blaming the white man when at the end of the day, them are the same one who continuously to do these things for always I try to find ways to go around the system by either get a next white friend for pose as your own owner or I try to see if you can find some way to wiggle through some crap just so you can make a living and feed your family and stuff like that. I mean, look what take place in Jacksonville, Mississippi. They might try to bring about Jim Crow laws and all this stuff. And it's like the people them who live there, it's like them have no say in the matter. You get me? Them just appoint judges and the people are down there are rally up on the news. It's like they have no say in the matter. You know what I mean? So, what me? Yeah, the country is just weird, yo. You get me? But, I was almost say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, after that, that yeah. <laughs> it goes, but what it goes back to, um, um, Afo, I just want to respond to you real quick. What it goes back to is our ensuring that we are in positions of power instead of being of instead of knowing the latest rap song, staying up to date with the latest fashion, and concerning ourselves with the um things that are not as important and focus more on ensuring that we are positioned in certain places, I think we can help to take back and, and, and change the narrative. Because if we are aware, so we are aware, what are we going to do with what we are aware of? How are we going to change the narrative if we don't take the necessary steps? And trust and believe you have persons out there who are trying to take that necessary step. Okay, it might good. not be highlighted as much as it's supposed to. You know what I mean? It can come like that. Look at uh, anybody. I don't know if anybody in your room remember or aware, um, or he, sorry, hear about the, the, the what, what, 18 or 19 year old and in turn the youngest mayor ever. You know, this, um, I'm to remember that. Uh, you might have to look it up, but. Uh, somebody can do the quick and look and say um, the youngest um, uh, mayor, Uncle Black Youth, and him run for mayor, and him end up win, him end up win, and him around 18 or 18 or 19, something like so. You get what I say? Because him say yo, him tired of what take place in the community, and him just want to try to be better and also set examples for you know the other younger generations and stuff right. like that. You know what I mean? So yeah, persons who go there doing Good. stuff, you know what I mean? And we need yeah. more of them, mm -hmm. Alpha. Exactly. We need more of them and we need to encourage more of them because that's the only way we're going to change the story. That's the only way. Us sitting on the sidelines and complaining, nah, make no difference. And I am glad you mentioned his age because that is important. We have to stir them up from early. And not only stir them up, but encourage them and support them and rally behind them. 
Yeah, I'm glad you said that because um, what happened is, as El made the point some time back, we vote a lot for presidential elections and so on, but we don't vote for our local governments. We don't select, vote for our local judges and all this different stuff like that. And that is there is where the power lies. And we can't complain and say, oh, it's racism and stuff. Yes, we can say that. But these things have been happening, and they will happen. So if anything has to change, we have to make an effort. And it's an uphill battle, but we can't just throw our hands in the air. Exactly. We have to see how we can do in our communities, in our black communities. We have to start to come together and put things in place and rally together to start to lift our communities out one by one. The leaders, select our local leaders. It has to start there. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, um, Tasha, for putting it in the chat. 18-year-old Jalen Smith. We need more 18-year-olds. We need more Jalen Smiths. We need more. We need more who are not afraid to recognize the challenges and the need for change. We need more. We need more brave folks. We need more. Next up, woman, uh, uh, sorry, U.S. six-year-old. Um, you remember the story? The six-year-old who shot the teacher will not be charged. Story courtesy of BBC.com. A six-year-old boy who shot his teacher in a primary school in the U.S. state of Virginia is unlikely to be charged, according to a prosecutor. But authorities in the city of Newport News have yet to decide if any adult will face criminal charges in the case. Police have said the child brought the gun to his backpack in Richneck Elementary School on January 6. The 25-year-old teacher, Abigail Zwarna, was shot in the hand and chest, but thankfully she survived. On Wednesday, Newport News Commonwealth's Attorney General, uh, Attorney Howard Gwynn said that his office would not seek charges against the boy. He said the prospect that a six-year-old can stand a trial is problematic because the child is too young to understand the legal system. You know what's funny? Ah, uh, <laughs> you know what is funny? We're talking about selling homes. And you know what just pop up on my phone? Interested in selling your home? Give us a call. So AI is everywhere, folks. It's everywhere. I didn't even have to type a search into my phone. It just popped up. How interesting. And here's another one. Another one just popped up. Sell your home. Save thousands. Living in that Las Vegas area. Oh, yeah. Before now, I was listening to him. Um, always. <laughs> uh, Sometimes, I, I kid you not, sometimes you don't have to say anything all those moments. Sometimes it's yeah, like just you're thinking. just thinking. Yeah. I just see it pop up. Yeah. I said, "What the hell?" Yeah. I yeah. said, "I had that conversation with Marlon just yesterday or the day before because I was thinking about something and boom, it popped up on my phone. Didn't say the word. It was a thought. So guess what, folks? We can't escape it. All right. We just gotta learn to live with it. So my question is though, why have we not heard anything about the parent? The, the firearm was legally purchased and belonged to the child's mother. So how did the child get its hand on the gun? Why are we not hearing accountability being placed on the mother since a fear gun? What's up? What's up with that? You can't prosecute the child because the child is six years old. We get that. So who do we hold responsible? 
So what if this woman had died? What if the teacher had died? Nobody would be held accountable. How did the child get the gun? Did the mother not lock it away properly? Put it away properly? Safely? Something is off here and I'm still waiting. Something is off. In Believe It or Not news, a woman allegedly stabbed three children to death and now twin sister has been charged with a similar crime. Story courtesy of BallerAlert.com. A Texas mom who allegedly... What the heck y'all doing over there in Texas? What's in the water over there in Texas? Really? You know, we can't have that. We can't have that. Republicans. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Oh, gosh, let me pin the link at the top of the page. All right, thank you all for your patience. So a Texas mom who allegedly stabbed her five young children and killed three of them has a twin sister who was suspected of the same eerie crime. On Friday, Ellis County Sheriff's Office arrested Shamaya Dayan Shania Hall in an, it, at an, at an Italy, Texas home on three charges of capital murder. The judge has set her bail at $6 million. The police reported to a residence around 4 p.m. on behalf of a request from Texas Child Protective Services. All five children were attacked and removed from the home. After the initial phone call was made, all five children had severe knife injuries. According to Deputies Hall, who is 25 years old, fatally stabbed her three children, a six-year-old boy and five-year-old twins. One a boy and one a girl. Her other children, four year, a four-year-old boy and a 13-month-old girl survived the life-threatening attack. However, reports show that two years ago, her twin sister, Troy Shea, who is 25, of course, allegedly stabbed to death seven-year-old Madison Petrie over 30 times at home in Dallas. A 16-year-old was also stabbed but survived the wounds. Court documents said Troy Shea was incompetent to stand trial and was sent to a mental health facility instead. More charges will be brought against Hall. What on earth is happening? You know what bothered me about this story? So she was visiting her children and her visits are supposed to be supervised, right? Social welfare acknowledged or someone dropped a dime to say that she's without being supervised. The unfortunate part is they got to these children too late. Oh, Jesus. So, okay, let me ask a question, Javette. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm losing you. I, I, I thought you had stopped talking. I'm sorry. Finish. Go ahead. And oh, I did, I'm sorry. I'm in a place in, in my house that is funny. Okay. I don't know what part you heard, but basically her visits were supposed to be super, supervised and the social workers finally decided to go and just do this welfare check to see if someone has been supervising them. And that's where they found her and the children. So they had known that she was visiting her kids unsupervised. It just took them too long to get there. So let me ask a question, Javette. When it comes to supervised visitation, who does the supervision? Who is supposed to be supervising so, this visit? So, and I'm talking from, 
I'm talking from experience. Sometimes there's an actual social worker there or the family member, a family member that is supposed to be trusted will sign on to be the supervisor, the supervisee, whatever you want to call them. In places, in some cities, it's even in police stations. Wow. Wow. Woo! Damn. So, you... even try to for a minute wrap my head around this you kill your children because social worker shows up so you'd rather kill them than have them removed from your custody or your care or whatever so them. they she didn't have custody she did not have custody okay no this was one of her visits her visits right okay got it I don't know if she hurt them because the social worker surprised her. I'm not really sure because how they explained it here in Texas is it just so happened they went to do one of those welfare checks to see if what was supposed to happen or what was supposed to take place was taking place and they actually got there at that time. Is she going to go join her sister then in a mental facility? It hurts my heart because there's so many women that can't have children. And every week we're hearing people taking out their family. And I'm, I'm just using the word taking out. I don't want to use the other word. Yeah. They're hurting their children. And their other family members. Oh boy, this is too much, folks. I gotta do the online wrap up. I'll be right back with you. Now let's go back. I want to give a big thank you to everyone that logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com for quality music while you work or play. Keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Thank you to everyone listening on johnoradio.com. Download that Jano Radio app. J-A-H-K-N-O. Jano Radio. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Take us on the go. Big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. After all, this is where the conversation happens. Thank you so much for your shared views, varying opinions, and interesting perspectives. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on TikTok moments with me media. And the me in everything is M I. 
my folks listening on QMZRadio.com and JohnnoRadio.com. This was a Moments With Me media production. And this is Moments With Me signing out. Have a good day. Catch you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern right here.